So we are back for episode 18 of the End Product Podcast and it, the End Product just keeps on rolling at this stage. Unfortunately, Tony's not back with us quite this week. He had a, a double recovery session or something after their cup victory last night and I think we'll be back seeing Tony next week. But joining me as ever, Stish, good to see you, my man. Good, always a pleasure, never a chore, Quinny. And uh, yeah, on the subject of End Product, I was just mentioning off air, Managed to win a Sesco rare finishing. I think I finished a 10th in the U23 this weekend, nice. just gone. Uh, so, yeah, it was a nail-biting couple of days watching those last sort of, you know, when it tells you you could potentially finish 15th. So I started looking at the top <laughs> end of the tier ones. I'm like, do you know what? The tier ones look all right as well. But, yeah, managed yeah. to hold on for a tier zero. And I had my eye on that sort of area. You know, you can kind of have a look on. Oh, you know, I'm somewhere near the bottom of the tier zero. But around that area was like Javi Simons. I was like, oh, I'd love a Javi Simons. Sesco's there. Of course. And I was like, well happy with that. Sesco, definitely a player that he was in my watch list from before. And yeah, if he can hit the form he hit last season, I think with some of the other players I've got, he'd be a really useful card. What about yourself? Any any end product last weekend? Um, yeah, I actually picked up like five cards and they all sold actually very quickly. They were all decent rewards. So I got, um, if anyone watched the content last week uh, when I won the Kyogo for finishing second, the player that stopped me from winning the league was a player called Demerbag, or as I've been calling him, Demerbobag. <laughs> I won his super rare. I won his super rare as a tier three and he's actually a really good player, you know, so it was a great tier three pool. Managed to sell him for like point two, like within a couple of hours or so. I won a Joseph Martinez rare, which also so I cannot believe how cheap those card Joseph Martinez rares are well underpriced, but I sold mine very quickly. And um a couple other bits and pieces and limited and whatever. But second or third weekend on the bounce, but a reward was nice. I was kind of hoping for a bit of midweek action, but I, every t- I had six teams in midweek that all looked kind of good and every one of them just had something boom just been sniped you know boom yeah. boom boom one player team killed it so um, similar similar so yeah, for that, me that, not quite a sesco but a nice kind of you know a busy a busy win for the club you know for, for me so good weekend yeah definitely definitely i think uh I, i've started to feel better and better as the last few game weeks have gone on about holding on to that veerman through all of the good offers i was getting oh. in there in the in the pre-season I was like trying to justify holding on to it. And in my head, it was like, if he can win me around eight ETH in like rewards through the season, then there's no point selling him for, for eight ETH now. Or I think that was the initial offer, wasn't it? When we first started talking about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's been in lineups that won me Vandervoort a couple of weeks back. And now Sesco. It's like probably only like two more wins away from hitting that sort of eight ETH area. Why? I haven't sold either of the cards. I think I'm going to hold on to both of them. And, it's always nice winning a U23 that's got plenty of years of utility as well. So two like elite both players, both, both, both moving to Leipzig as well. So it could end up with a little <laughs> Leipzig stack <laughs> in a couple of years time. I've got Guardiola. I don't know if they'll be able to hold on to him for too much longer either. The way things are looking. Well, but, he's just signed a contract extension today to 2027, oh, really? but that might be in the face of like changing his minimum buy fee and exactly, all that yeah. crap, you know? So but new new deal signed today for Guardiola, so maybe there's hope. Maybe that'd be an amazing little defensive stack, Vandervoort and Guardiola, like a proper U twenty three beast of a stack. That little defensive 
they'll probably so, both still be U23 by the time Van der Voort goes there as well. Definitely. Which is funny. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's like two seasons for me. <laughs> I feel like Van der Voort, yeah. He, it's amazing when you look at cards like, because he's mm. been on the platform since the beginning, but he's still got about three years of U23 utility when you look at his uh, Sora data page. It's amazing. That's how young he kind and, of like established himself. Yeah, and it's been a it's been a bit of mad rise. He got a good score at the weekend actually without me playing him in a decent team. So I'm hoping he can get himself onto a good run of form on this new matrix. Maybe the new matrix is Vandevert friendly. I had a little look at it today because I was trying to figure out what to do this weekend. And my U23 goalkeepers have had a bit of a knock. I think uh, Guyton Cook is still unsure whether or not he'll play this weekend. He's he's not out expected to be out for long. But I was looking at him. I think Murich came off injured in the last game, um, but that's not also not expected to be uh, too like he's had a scan and there's no like damage. It's just he took a knock on his shoulder, uh, so they took him off. But there's still a chance he will start again this weekend. But I've, I'm fortunate enough to have a few options in the goalkeeper department for U23 now. And yeah, I had a little look at Vandervoort and the new matrix had me looking at. Um, you know, passes completed because I think that's one of the main ones is uh, trying to figure out if their pass completion, you know, that extra few points that the goalkeepers get for that and just having a look at like which goalkeepers play out from the back. And uh, yeah, he, he seems to put up quite a few um, completed passes. Etienne Green was also one that surprised me. I know he's had a pretty bad start to the season at St Etienne, but looking at like his all-around scores um, from the weekend, um, the last couple of games where he scored well, um, he looks like a player who hopefully if St Etienne can improve, he'll also improve with him. So fingers crossed there, but Van der Voort definitely looks like someone who should benefit a bit. And yeah, I think he's due a little run of clean sheets, isn't he? He's been, a, he's been leaking goals a little bit of late, hasn't he? Yeah. I don't think, uh, I think as soon as the announcement came on and everyone started playing them, they then uh, something terrible happened to him, didn't he? Like he sent off and he said a bunch of goals or something. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a story right. at the time. But as we were coming into to this today, obviously you mentioned there about Sesco. I don't think he's leaving this transfer window. He'll be staying at Salzburg by all accounts now at this point. And, you know, the transfer window is quietly rumbling on for another couple of hours as we talk them out. And this has been, like, I've got a few group chats and the theme almost once a day hits in every chat this transfer window is the craziest ever, you know, like it really is. Yes, the Gakpo was on the way to Everton or Southampton and teams like that, you know, and then Louis van Gaal's making phone calls and cancelling deals and <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather. Yeah. When, you, when, Louis, when, when Louis rings and tells you, you're not going to be getting into the Dutch national side. You listen. <laughs> That's it. Cause he'll do it, you know, um, so there's been tons of transfers kind of happening, like for better or for worse, right across the place. And like, especially throughout this week, some of these last minute ones, like I was chatting to a guy, uh, it's Gusto, and he was he was actually showing me his teams for the weekend on like Monday or Tuesday. And I was like, oh, what about your boy Kudos, you know, the Ajax guy? Mm. And he's like, oh, no, no, he's fine. He's going to be staying. And then like on Wednesday, it came out, he's boycotting training and he's on strike and stuff like that. trying oh. to force through a move. And it's like, man, if something could go wrong in this window, it will. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at that as well because Alvarez is the same, isn't he? Uh, Ajax, he didn't turn up for training today, trying to force a move to Chelsea. You know, after Anthony's uh, gone through at Man United, I think a lot of the players are probably like, my t- this is my time. I ain't getting a training today. And yeah, Kudus yeah. and uh, and Alvarez. I mean, if they lose those two today, um, the Dutch window's closed, so they can't bring anyone else in. So they're really going to struggle if they lose two more midfielders before the end of the day. 
One player I've seen them like to be bringing in is uh, Florian Grillish as a free transfer. He was a Hoffenheim yep. last year, very highly rated. And, uh, you know, so I've I seen that and I only seen it because somebody sent it into my group chat. And it's like, if you sell Alvarez for 50 million and then pick up Grillish for free, Ajax are just mugging off the transfer window this year. <laughs> you know, selling <laughs> Gravenberch, selling Haller, selling Anthony, selling... Um, didn't sell Timber. Uh, let go, uh, didn't he? Martinez. Yeah, Martinez. You know, they've absolutely mugged off this transfer window big time, Ajax, if they do moves like that right at the end as well. Yeah. Um, there was uh, some talk of them selling, um, sorry, signing uh, Odysseus from Benfica, but that doesn't look like that can go through now. Oh, is that fell through? Yeah, I don't think it's happening. It, it looked like it was a done deal yesterday, but by by all accounts, uh, some some part of the board of directors like put a stop to it not going through. Um, and they did the same with uh, another Another signing, I can't remember who it was now, but apparently the Ajax board have stopped a couple of big transfers going through, um, which is unusual because it looks like they need to bring some players in. But yeah, I think always um, always interesting, isn't it? Uh, who Ajax are bringing in, especially for SO5. is like any player yep. linked to Ajax, the price just spikes insanely. So I had a little look at Grilich earlier because I thought, if they do lose another midfielder, he's likely to see a lot of playtime. Um, I don't think the new manager fancies Klaassen as much as Ten Hag did. He doesn't seem to be getting much of a look in this season. Um, Kenny Taylor seems to be the man uh, in, to, on the yeah. team sheet at the moment, which suits me because I'm a holder. But always nice to have a few players, as I've found this season, having a few players as a sort of like core of a lineup maybe in challenger or in u23 has been really useful for me firstly because it means you've got less sort of scout not scouting but you know like following who's injured who's training who's that if you're only looking at one club but you're looking at three players that's like all right sweet you know you get to you get to know who those teams are who's likely to start and i think the problem i had last yep. season was all of my teams were like five players from different teams and it was just like hundreds of teams to follow, hundreds of different players to look at. And like the sort of core of a couple of my good um, lineups uh, this season have been PSV and IX. And just following like two or three players from those sides, understanding their sort of, fi- also like their fixtures and what the manager's likely to do. And I think that one of my worries with PSV at the beginning of the season was the European games, stuff like that. But Van Nistelrooy, doesn't seem to rotate that much in his starting lineups, but what he does do a lot of at the moment is where they've got quite heavy fixtures um, sort of schedule. He brings a lot of the good players off if they go a couple of goals up, two three goals up. Yeah. You'll see like Vim and Sangare. Uh, you know, Obispo came off on at halftime this weekend because they're three one up. Um, he's doing that a lot, so I've been having to sort of bear that in mind a little bit uh, around their sort of tougher fixtures. Who do, who's likely to finish the game? Because especially for defensive players, you really want them to last the 90, don't you? Because that's when they pick up those double-doubles and triple-doubles because if they played a full 90, pick up four or five tackles, a couple of interceptions and a lot of duels won, that's where you know the, those bonus points come in and their all-around scores really get beefy. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's okay. been interesting watching that and trying to navigate that. But uh, I think like this transfer window... I think a lot of so rare managers will probably be almost like looking forward to it ending. I don't know about you, but a lot of doubt <laughs> thrown in over my my lineups and a couple of moves that have come in. Uh, Jorgen Strand Larsen was like one of my go to 
challenger forwards. He had a good fixture this weekend, but now he's moved to Celt of Ego. Yep. Is he going to be rotated? Is he going to be of any yeah. use at all? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think he will. Um, but I think he will be rotated. I, I was actually I was actually talking to somebody about uh, Jorgen Larsen signing for Celtic. Yes, I can't remember who it was now. Oh, maybe my live chat with um, the member stream. But like, <clears throat> I'm quite fortunate, I guess. I, I've watched a lot of Celtic of Ego last year for no real reason. And, you know, they've actually quietly transformed into a club that, I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoy following, and I think the business have. They are one of the real winners this transfer window for me. They've operated so smart. And anyway, what I think is going to happen with Jorgen Larson. If you look at so anyone who wants to look at good value champ Euro forward, Saint Vigo is a great shout. So what they've got there now is four forwards on their books: Aspas, Larson, Pacienza, and Carlos Perez. Only Aspas was there last year. The other three are brand new. Other guys have left. You don't need the background on any of that. And I'm talking to you guys at home. I'm not being rude to you, Stash. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you don't, no need to, I'm not going to bore you with who used to be there, right? But I think what we're going to see with those four players is kind of what we're seeing all across European football. It's just what you said there with Van Nistelrooy almost. And what we see with Celtic and what we see with all these other teams with big squads is, you know, it'll probably be something like, Aspas and Carlos Perez start or Aspas and Larson start and then the two guys on the bench you know come on in the 60th minute and the 80th minute to keep the legs fresh and keep the tempo high throughout the 90 uh, so I think he'll definitely feature like all the time I just I think he's more stylistically closer to Aspas so I think he's maybe supposed to be Aspas's shadow because Aspas yeah. never gets subbed he never gets a rest he is like 37 so you know I think yeah. that's the most likely like before he even sets foot and we see a team sheet with him being in the team, that's probably what my uh, instinct would tell me. But equally, I do think that he'll be in goals because certainly that attack, it's all about pace because in midfield, some of the guys have got like Chervy and one or two others are really quick wingers, but they play them centre mid so they can just counter an attack. Yep. And then if you get guys like Aspas and Larson and whatever, they can catch that ground with you. Then they're, they certainly are fun to watch, man. So it's a good move, but I don't know how great it will be SO5 wise. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I don't think he's going to be quite as useful as he was at Groningham, where he was like the guy. His hold up play is great. Um, you know, he picks up as many assists as he does goals. He's one of those perfect, oh, really? perfect scorers. Yeah, for me, um, I think I picked him up maybe just over a year ago. And I, at the time, I remember thinking I'd got a steal because I'd, I'd been watching him and his prices for a bit. And then I'd have to go back and see what I paid for him initially. But I remember thinking I got a really good price on him and um, yeah, he kind of, he fell into a little bit of a dip of form, but then once he picked it up, he's really kind of continued. Um, and for me, he was one of my better options for challenger or, and or U23. Obviously Groningen were not like high flyers, but if they scored, it was usually him in or around the goal, whether it was a decisive uh, from a, a goal or, or the assist. Um, and yeah, his, his all around scores were pretty good for a forward as well. But um, if you've yeah. got AA and assisting him like that, like hold up yeah. playing stuff, then maybe he'll be feeding Aspas, you know, and that'd be quality. Because it'd be great to Paciensa see. Paciensa is not a starter, and that Carlos Perez has been okay. You know, he's just not really been great, wherever he's been. So maybe it's Larson and Aspas. It's a bit like what we were saying the other week about uh, Giacomakis, is like, you know, playing at a side like Chel- uh, Chelsea, Celtic. Uh, <laughs> When he comes off the bench, he still couldn't easily get a goal. He's very much likely to get a goal. But when you're playing in those sort of like lower to mid mid table sides, coming off the bench, 
you you're not you know you you really want to you really want those nice players to be starting yeah like you know they they're lucky if they get a score over 30 if they come off the bench because they're less likely to score and i think so with a player like Larson for me it's hard to justify holding on to him unless i know he's a starter in champ because i'm not really playing champ anymore um i'm only realistically going to use him in u23 and you know winning a card like sesco recently who you'd expect to start more games than than not also got Fernando at um, Salzburg, who is pretty nailed on this season as a starter. Uh, I've lost Anthony to Champ, and he's probably not as nailed. Obviously, I know he went to United for an enormous fee, but no one's guaranteed a starting position in a side like Man United with the fixtures they have and you know the players he's got to keep happy around him. I do think Anthony will be a big player for Man United, but I do think that that you know. He's not playing in the Eredivisie. He's not going to get away with the sort of stuff he was getting away with in Eredivisie in the Prem. But I do expect him to do well. So I'm going to hold on to him because I think that the the sort of price reaction to his move to Man United obviously being quite a negative reaction, as expected, as a lot of players do moving from a big club in cha- Challenger into a into a champ side that's not quite, you know, hitting those big scores that they, they were expected to. Um, so, yeah, it's... My U23 forward options have taken a bit of a hit. Um, had one good move, actually, though, I will say, uh, that Yaramchuk move into Club Bruges from Benfica, I think, is one of the one of the beneficial ones for me. It's uh, quite happy to see that move, and I think I'm going to hold on to him um, to see how he gets on there, because he was great in the Belgian division um, before he did make the move to Benfica. And I think when Nunes moved... We thought, oh yeah, he might get a little bit more of a look in, but you know, I think it's more like that. Neres Ramos uh, seems to be the kind of the chosen pairing for them um, up top. They kind of play with the three, don't they, rather than like a front two or or like a yeah. single focal point. I don't think that their style really suited Yaramchuk, but I think that he might. I don't. I don't know if he'll start or not because I think Jokler has absolutely set. Uh, the division on on fire and he's like on in top form there. So if they're looking at Yaramchuk as a backup to Zhukla, I don't see him starting ahead of him. But if they see him as a kind of like almost like the false nine, maybe he could play there. I don't know. What do you reckon to that? Well, one? maybe with Juk- well, maybe with Jukla because he has like been killing it now. Jukla and again, anyone who's looked at looked at him would kind of know this but he isn't like a top level player before Bruges he'd been playing at Barcelona B and stuff like that you know so the reason he's ended up at Bruges is because obviously there was a lot of clubs anyone who was interested in him because his record at that level was good I've just been like "Mm, let's see where he goes and then we'll judge him so he's went to Bruges and he's on fire I wouldn't rule out a January transfer for somebody like this if they're bringing Yarab chicken behind because maybe Mm. they've already got agents already lined up with stuff it's like listen yeah he's looking good if he keeps this up in January, we're going to sell him back into La Liga or we want him to move to England or whatever the whatever the kind of plan is because, you know, you don't... Uh, unless they're doing this whole kind of... You know, uh, I just keep saying Celtics, that's just who I'm closest to, you know, but unless they are going to go down that Celtic mode of, like, having, like, two full sets of attacks that they can rotate between matches or change within the match and that kind of thing. Um, Transfer-wise, I'm kind of now attached to Bruges as well with Boyata going there, so that could be a fun team for me to be paying mm. attention to, but... Similar to St. Levigo, one team that's really caught my eye transfer business-wise, especially over the last 24 hours, is Benfica. Because not only have they signed Julian Draxler, it sounds like, from PSG, 
but they've also looks like they're picking up today John Anthony Brooks from uh, well I say from Wolfsburg it's kind of a free transfer so we're kind of getting Otamendi and John Brooks he's the exact same kind of player as Otamendi but younger and mm. maybe a wee bit faster and probably a bit taller um, and Draxler who like is very good and I think Draxler because bearing in mind the manager of Benfica's Schmidt the guy that was at PSV last year I could see Draxler coming in and doing that Gotza role that uh, he yeah. played at PSV potentially and Draxler like if you didn't if you're if you, you know, Draxler's been on the bench at PSG for so long but Draxler is like an attacking mid kind of like two-footed can dribble and he's really pacey like really quick so if you're putting him in the Portuguese league and that kind of if that's where he plays for Schmidt in that Gotza role but, you know, when Neres on one side, Goncalo Ramos through the top and then whatever else is going on around that. Uh, guys like Rafa and, you know, the, the, they've got plenty of talent in, in the wings, Benfica. Draxler could very quickly become a guy that shows up on a game day with 75 points, you know, no problem. Um, before anything magic happens where they kill a team 5-0 or something because he will be involved in so many of the plays. He will be getting into the box. He will be taking shots. He will be playing passes into the box. So his AA is always going to be there. And as we've seen with Benfica, like they do regularly score more than two goals a match in that league. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen some of the scores Benfica players have done in the past. The problem with Benfica players is knowing when they play. But mm. a guy like Draxler coming from PSG surely plays every available minute. For the most part, they will get rested and rotated. Of course he will. But um, we've potentially yeah. got another Otamendi who was super powerful but super old. Um and John Brooks, and then a Draxler coming at the Benfica, potentially power player. I think he'll do really well over there. He's he's kind of like it's difficult, you know, going to a side like PSG at the kind of level that that he was, and not hitting maybe the heights that people were expected of him. Um, but I think that that move for him to Benfica will be a really good one. Like you said, you expect him to become a bit of a power player there. One of the main focal points of the selection. So yeah, that I think that's a great. A great one. It will be really interesting to see how they get on. Actually, they have, they do seem to have yeah. done some really good business. Uh, I know, obviously, they lost. Let Julian Beigel go out, and then that guy uh, Arunes has came in. Yeah, that's. It's going to be interesting to watch that. Just having a little look, I just seen uh, news as well while we're recording here that. Uh, uh, where is it? The Hector Bellerin looks to be signing for Barcelona as well. He's just. Um, oh really? And Marcus uh, Alonso and Aubameyang has went to Chelsea. Yeah, it's all going off, isn't it? <laughs> Stisha told me about that right before we came on, and we were on to Surya Data, and there's 23 rare Obama Yangs and only 19 limiteds. You know, like, that's potentially an ACP card, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm just seeing another uh, rumour here uh, that uh, it's like Vert- Vertonghen, um, Vertonghen to Anderlecht. You seen this one? Oh, nice. I think that would well, be a good... Alderweire good just went to Antwerp and Boyata's at Bruges, so I think that completes the Belgian back three, being at the yeah. three big teams, you know, or three of the bigger teams, you know. <laughs> back home <Funny>. again. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is all going off. It's so hard to keep up with it, but uh, it's it's definitely going to affect the teams that I kind of set out two days ago as like my, my week, what I thought I was going to be playing the weekend Every couple of hours today, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, well, I can't play that now. And this can't work. And this player's now not likely to play. Like, obviously, yesterday we had um, Paqueta at West Ham. I didn't put him in any lineups this week because uh, I just, you know, it, it's not very fashionable, is it, to start your brand new signing? It, I don't know why. No. It's so annoying when you're like a fan of the player or the club. So, if, you know, 
at Man United, it was when we re-signed Ronaldo last season. I'm like, oh, don't don't sign him and just stop. Don't start him on the bench, like just to be cool about it. Like just start him. And um, this weekend, I'm definitely gonna be looking at. I'm gonna be expecting all of my players who've moved clubs to not start. So I'm kind of my my selections are all over the place this weekend. Just where I'm just trying not to select any players who've moved clubs. Yeah, I'm not like they're not likely to start if they've only trained for two days or something like that. I agree. And on that note, Florian Grealish is one step away. It's confirmed now. Sorry, I beg your pardon. I was reading the retweet, but it's confirmed. Grealish has signed for Ajax as a free agent until 2025. Yeah, so it's all going on. I think I, you know, Ajax have had so much change this summer. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them in the immediate aftermath of all these guys coming in and out of the team. You know. Yeah, I think they'll be all right because the thing with Ajax, they've always got the youth coming through, haven't they? Like they always have such a good academy, um, you know, machine. And if you follow like young Ajax to see who's playing there, and quite a lot of them have got cards on so rare as well. A lot of their youth prospects uh, get get a cheeky mint or two through the season, um, and it'd be interesting to see how many of them make the grade. Maybe, maybe. Not just yet, but maybe in January, if they lose any more players, you might see a few of those players step up. Um, so it'd be interesting. But I think from watching them a couple of times this season, they've still got enough quality to compete at the top level in the Eredivisie. I do think that PSV are the better side this season. Um, but, you know, I think that AZ have looked good as well. And uh, yeah. obviously you've got Feyenoord there, who are always uh, well worth a watch too. So I think it's going to be a good season to watch. I think Eredivisie is quite a watchable division. Um, I, I quite enjoy watching a lot of the Eredivisie players and teams. So uh, I think Ajax seeing this kind of like rotation and a changing of the guard, a lot of the clubs in that division will be looking at this as like an opportunity to step up and compete for the league this season. I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion at all that Ajax will be the ones to beat. I think PSV are absolutely smashing it at the minute. And, you know, the, flat, the fact that they missed out on Champions League means that they, they'll probably do a bit more rotating into the midweeks than they might have done if they were competing in the Champions League. Uh, so, yeah. they, for me, are, weekend stronger. Yeah, I think they're the ones to beat this season. Uh, especially now I've been seeing, I mean, I don't know how correct this is either, but just before we started recording, there was announcements on sort of Sky Sports that, PSV have said that Gakpo will not leave this uh, window. We might listen back to this we- podcast somewhere and be like, well, he did. But <laughs> but as it stands, they we- expect him to stay. So, Yeah. Louis Van has been on the phone telling him not yeah. to go to the Prem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go. Yeah. <laughs> I would uh, pick you. Exactly. Well, he looked great. Uh, I watched him the other day. Uh, absolutely walked over Volendam and... Uh, and he was—he looked good. He was on set pieces quite a bit as well, which uh, I was a bit gutted about because I normally see Veerman on those sort of like corners and sort of you know edge of the box free kicks where you're swinging them in. And Gakpo took a fair few. Um, uh, they look good, definitely, definitely one to watch. A lot of good. Uh, that boy Savio's exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. That that Bakayoko as well looks like a great player. So uh, yeah, if anyone listening to this hasn't given. Uh, PSV a watch this season. I highly recommend it. Good, entertaining, fast attacking football. Xavi Simons looks incredible. What like? Yeah, 
that is a great move for him. I, I was thinking about that yesterday when after watching that match in the week, and I thought like, didn't PSG just let him sign for free? Like, some what was that uh, all about? How did they just let him go for nothing? Like. I think him and Mishu are like best pals and they get promised along with maybe somebody else who left this window. Like, oh no, we'll definitely keep, we'll definitely want you to break through and we want you to be the future of PSG and all that. And it's just basically been not happened for two or three years. They never get anywhere near the squad. And I think he mm. just ran his deal down to nothing and just gave him the fingers and walked out the door kind of thing. Um, but he was at Barca before PSG. So I think PSG yeah. got him as like a 15, 16 year old from Barca. So the guy's, the guy's been well educated on football, you know, by this point oh, yeah. in his career. And Holland's a great place to go and attack if you're a guy like him. Yeah, definitely. It's just reminded me actually of that other player I picked up, uh, Fabio Blanco. He's got cards on the platform with Fabio Gomez. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's at Barca B. And I was wondering if he'd get a little move. There was lots of players and clubs, sorry, linked with him. Uh, but I haven't seen anything, so I might be stuck. Might be stuck for a little red cross on him for another season until he gets a move. That, the other kind of notes I've got on transfers, these are ones that have affected my gallery. So, like, I've got two guys moving from being decent challenger options to being God knows what they'll be champion options. Uh, and that is Jack Hendry leaving Bruges for Cremoranese, uh, the newly promoted Serie A team. And Ante Palaversa, who was is a city guy, he's been on loan all across the world, basically. But he was on loan in Belgium quite successfully, and now he's going on loan to Trois or Troyes in Ligue 1. So, uh, and then Serginho Dest has moved to AC yeah. Milan, and that could basically he could just be a mirror image of Tio Hernandez. So, if you've ever wanted a cheaper Tio Hernandez, <laughs> Serginho Dest is is the one to get under twenty three. I think he's still under twenty three. Yep, yep. Uh, defender and. He's very underrated, Dest. Like I think he'll, I think he'll do very well in Italy. Um, and he'll be a great scorer. He's, he's very good. I can't say that enough. He's, and again, I just don't, I don't know what it is, but he's been very overlooked when he went to Barca by Xavi, and I think by all accounts, Ten Hag was trying to get him before AC Milan came in. I yeah, think I saw that. Dest probably wants to go to you know the Champions of Italy rather than the, yeah, the Man United uh, dance and song at yeah. the moment. But, <laughs> It's been a, it's one of those ones that I'm sure the transfer window will give us a few more surprises before it closes. But guys like I've got there, and they're not really big fish to me or whatever, but there'll be lots of anarchy going across galleries like that now where guys that you had, oh, yeah, this guy can plug in a challenger for the odd weekend or yeah. whatever. Now he's in champion. Or the champion guy that was maybe made to do something or was useless has moved to challenger and maybe became something or whatever. Like yeah. Grealish or a Draxler, for example. It just reminded me of another one. Uh, so I, I capitalised on the move or the uh, the news of a move. I'm not sure if it's completely nailed on just yet, but it looks like Aston Ranks is also moving to AC Milan. Yeah. Yes. So I got rid Did of you him. buy one? No, I had one. I've, had, I've had him for like, yeah, I sold him. I, bought, I, picked him so I, I picked him up. He was a really early purchase of mine when I first joined. I started just buying like young young youngsters that, that I was aware of. Yeah. So I had him from early and... Um, I just held on to him. I just thought, you know, he'll come good. He looks like a player. He's he he's a great player, but his style of play isn't like that SO5 friendly. So even when he did play him, um, he wasn't put he wasn't like his all around game wasn't great. Um so when I saw that he was linked to AC Milan, I thought, let me just list him because mine had like super high XP. I think it had like a full ten percent XP on it, and um nice. I listed it a little bit higher than the floor because I thought, you know, people who will want that XP now. And um, yeah, I, I got logged back in this morning and it had sold overnight for like 0.2. But um, 
I just think that I do have a lot of options in midfield, U23. I'm not really playing champ anymore. Um, if he goes there to be rotated, which he, he definitely will. Oh, well. Um, I watched AC Milan the other week and I thought that De Ketelaar looked incredible. I think he is going to do so well out there. Uh, he had an absolutely immense game, um, but much better than I expected from him, to be honest. I wasn't sure how much of him we'd see, but if he continues playing the way that he did, he could turn into the next Kevin De Bruyne playing the way he did for AC Milan the other day. Um, so, yeah, I think a player like Vranks probably will do well over there, maybe in a slightly more defensive role playing in the, the pivot uh, with maybe like Tonali or someone like that. He might sort of work as a bit of an understudy to the... So I think they do have better options than him at the moment, but I think that he's a bit more robust, you know, in some of those European fixtures, they'll probably like use him to just boss things a little bit more than some of the players that they have available. You know, but I think since they lost like Frank Kessier, maybe that he yeah. is coming into be a bit more like that guy. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it was an option opportunity to sell. I think, uh, I just saw it and thought, Do you know, I'm not sure how much use I'm going to get out of that card. And if he does go there and ends up being rotated, he might be one of those players that I can pick back up in future for less money than I've sold him for now. But, you know, I made this mistake once before with Luca Oyen. Ended up paying point four for him right before he got in- injured. So uh, hopefully I won't be, uh, hopefully I won't be regretting that one. But um, yeah, interesting move. And uh a nice impact there on on my gallery. I definitely need to trim the fat quite a bit, uh, and I think Champ is likely to be, especially like any Champ players that aren't nailed on. They're like the first cards that I'm looking at getting rid of at the minute. So, unfortunately, he's. Uh, I think that his move from Wolfsburg to AC puts him in an even more sort of like precarious position in terms of selection, and he's been in and out of the Wolfsburg side. So, I think it's a great move for him but maybe not an, in, an immense move for his SO5. But we'll see. He might prove me wrong. Yeah. Well, I think he do need a guy like him, but I don't think he's... Uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. But I don't think he's ready to be a starter for them, but it's maybe something that happens in a year or two. But, I mean, I, I, it's a really sensible strategy, what, what you're doing there with the guys that aren't really in as much. You know, like, I don't mind holding on to some of those guys in certain situations, but you know when you look at a card, if that's the card you should be doing that with or not sometimes. And yeah. if you've had that guy for a few seasons, I know it's like sometimes you get sick of looking at them and saying, <laughs> that was it. what are you doing this week? You get sick just... of it, you know, you're like, I've, I've had this guy for a year and I've never said once, yes, you're in, you know, yeah. ever. You know, it's been like, oh, oh, let me go check and oh, who else? And who are you playing? And, you know, when yeah. did you get booked last? And it's a, just a back. Yeah, he, you know. he's, he's definitely one of them. And I think that last season I had it a bit more, I had that a little bit with like Musiala last season, but you Musiala was yeah. a bit different because it's like, this kid can play. He is incredible. Yeah, clearly he's, amazing. Yeah, I, he's just waiting for that season that he breaks through and he'll be like first name on the team sheet. And I think that he started this season so strongly that I am putting him in my strong teams quite a lot because of the, the players that they have injured at, at Bayern as well. You know, like Goretzka's not there. So he's like, yep. he's there or thereabouts on the team sheet most weekends. And you can kind of see when he's going to play. Like they, you know, he started him on the bench in the midweek. So I'd expect him to start on the weekend. And yeah. he's been, and with ranks, it was like, he's never had that breakthrough yet. And I've been sat on him for, through like two, you know, through Mechelen and then through, uh, Wolfsburg and he's 
he's never really done what I expected him to do. And I think that AC is again like it's a great move for him, but for his SO five, it just makes him even more precarious. And for point two ETH, I think point two is a nice amount of money. You know, you can flip point two ETH into another prospect that might come a bit better than Vranks did for me. But I think I paid about sixty quid for him at the time I first bought him, and I sold him for what point two ETH, which was about two hundred and fifty quid. So I can't, I can't Not really bad. sniff at that. That's a decent little bit of business i think as well and when you see profit that also helps you feel a bit more justified in letting it go um yeah so yeah totally. i get that i get um I, I get people taking those same opportunities on me whenever somebody signs for celtic the price just goes up all of a sudden and even if i send a good offer people still want to reject it because they think i'll come back with a better one whereas like yeah. most of the time i'm like i'm giving you my best offer like but we've just signed today it sounds like it's about to happen all of our abelgard and he's meant to be an Aster Vranks type guy, you know, a big hard hitting defensive mid. Mm. And a few days ago, we signed Taxabanovich, both players from Ruben Kazan. Um, and I managed to get both of them in limiteds for quite cheap, but the rares are like, you know, 0.3 for Abelgard. You're talking mm. about 0.2 for a Vranks. I think I'd probably rather have a Vranks than an Abelgard, to be honest, at this point. <laughs> and um, Haxabanovich at 0.4. It's quite pricey again because mm. these guys are going to rotate in Celtic. I, I want them because I have it's kind of what you're saying earlier with the Ajax guys or whatever in PSV. I've got if I have all the pieces, then yeah, if I know that so and so is dodgy, well, do you know what? The other guy he's playing, yeah. let's take him out from the back shelf and just play him this week. That kind of handcuffing scenario that's yeah. the only value they really have for me at this point. So I'm not playing anything mad mental for them, but if, I think also because you're Celtic transfer. You're a Celtic fan as well, so you know that sub that club inside out. And once you yeah. do that, you it just becomes so much easier to sort of make an informed decision on what you think is likely to happen. You know, you know the bogey teams, you know the clubs they're likely to absolutely spank, who's gonna get rotated, and like especially now, I think a lot of people probably come into the game and just go, right, Celtic stack or AX, or they'll just pick a team, pick like pick up four or five players. Um, and play them as their kind of go-to. But if you've got like those moving pieces as well and you can preempt what's going to potentially happen, you know, you can be the difference between someone playing a Celtic stack and getting a DMP and you managing to, you know, walk five of your, your guys out and pick up a decent score. Um, yeah, that's, that's the game. That's the game now, isn't it? I think is uh, the knowledge is there's, there's so many cards and so many teams out there that are covered now. If you can get a bit of differential in there, and I think that like picking up these Kazan cards, uh, you know, we might they might not end up in the Celtic mint if like the cards have already been because I'm sure the Celtic um, photos that's have been the main updated, problem. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's my only concern. It's just that these are the only ones for the season. Almost, mm. I, I do think that these guys will get pictured rapid and all the rest of it. But with not getting Jackie Marcus last year, without getting O'Reilly and Juranovic last year, like I'm not going to hold my breath. But yeah. that's the only part of it that gives me a sense of urgency. It's just that, like, you know, when these guys, you know, when uh, Abelgard, he'll probably start three games on the bounce at some point this year. And when he does, he'll probably score really well and his price will probably go fucking mental and it will never come back down from it until he gets <laughs> cards again at some point. So yeah. I'm, that's the only thing that gives me any kind of haste around these cards. But I've not, like, I've not chased anyone else down for because they're, like, they've made a move. And I sold a jetty, actually. I sold a jetty on the move of his, on the news of his move to Stream Graz. Mm. And 
Now, I sold him for 0 0.1, which I got a jetty for like a tenner. Like, he was yeah. my first ever Celtic player. You know, when he moved from West Ham to Celtic, I was all over that. Anyway, yeah. and I managed to bring in a Conrad Limer because kind of he isn't going to transfer. And I think that might be a good move for me to get a cheap enough rare mid for somebody who's not moving. Yeah. But I've not really done anything else around transfers um, over this window. What, what, one of the things I've been like the most kind of amped up about over the last week is for game week 302, we've got specialist challenger open now all of a sudden. And when this is this is going to be tested out for the next month or so, we're probably going to see a rare iteration. We're probably going to see a champion Euro iteration. I think that's been promised already in the, in the medium post for this. Mm. Um these competitions for me are going to be huge for my gallery personally to do some more end products, you know, go and get some wins and whatever. But in terms of like the onboarding process and for the armchair fan to get involved, you know, I think these divisions are going to be absolutely amazing. Have you, have you built a team for this weekend? Have you given the specialist regions much thought yourself, Stish? I have, yeah, because I've got quite a few limiteds um, in Challenger particularly, uh, I had a look at like what my options were in that, you know, like the under 40. That's normally the first thing I do if I want to enter specialist, I think. Same. What elf, what under 40s have I got? And if I've got two half decent ones, then I'll go I'll go heavy in there. So I had a little look at what I had available and I think my my two um under 40s were Gabriel Florentin who moved from Argentinos to Orenburg. Um, he played his first game in the week for Oren. Well, he came on as a sub actually and gave a penalty away on his debut in the league last weekend, but played in the cup again. So he looks like he's going to become a regular starter there. If he can play in a similar sort of vein to what he was doing at Argentinos, granted he's in a slightly weaker side in the Russian division, but you'd expect him to start. You know, he's quite a good attacking, creative midfielder. So he, you know, he could get decisive if they. If they can get amongst the goals, hopefully he's in amongst them. And then they've got uh, Shan Kelles, who plays up front for Austria Vienne. Uh, nice. He's a little bit of a rotational risk, but I think just seeing that specialist challenge of Europe, it was just really tempting. I, I love a bit of a specialist action on a weekend. So, uh, yeah, I had to do it. But I've got uh, Nopper in goal, who is uh, has a really good fixture at Hirenveen. So hoping for a clean sheet there. And uh, Nathaniel Santini, who uh, plays at the back for Sion. And I've also got uh, Rodri Gao, who plays centre-back for Zenit, who puts up absolutely monster scores every weekend. So, fingers crossed, Sorted. my two under-40 averages can do do bits for me. And the other three should normally are normally quite reliable. So, hoping hoping to be in amongst of the, the prizes. What about yourself, Quinny? Have you got one sorted out? Uh, yeah, so I, I managed to put one out. I had a couple of L15 under 40 guys like uh, Andras Nemet and uh, a decent defender as well. I can't remember. But I had decent scores, but the guys were for five or something. You know, it's limited. Mm. Um, but I, I'm I, I'm not as much like, you know, I'll be putting lineups into these, particularly Champ Euro. Champ Euro is the one, like, if we get Champ Euro specialist rare or even, and you know, if I get super rare as well, mm. like for me, those divisions are going to be some of the biggest in the game because like no matter what your budget is like we all don't mind shopping in MLS in Japan and all the rest of it right but see the layman the man in the street that wants to come to this game and give it a shot for the first time that is daunting you know and yeah. being able to um, build competitive lineups with nominally priced cards that are like playing that you can watch on the TV quite easily with most subscriptions that are available um, 
I think is a huge uh, development for the platform. And I really hope these tests kind of work out, you know, in terms of, because what I think they're trying to do with some of this stuff is like, rather than build the price pools all the way out, what I've been doing is like going on All Star Rare Pro, there's 145 places. Over here, there's 60. Over here, there's 55. I think maybe now their focus isn't on bringing that tail down as much as it is widening out where you can play, you know, because... If, for example, an all-star rare pro, let's say the star rare count in terms of the payouts goes from the top 20 to the top 40, that doesn't really do too much for the new man in the street. That just means more people that are in the top are getting better stuff, if that makes sense. Whereas that extra 20 star rares, if you can put five of them in five new specialist competitions that need those underdog cards and need the playing goalkeeper and need this and that and all the rest of it, then they can be won by more people. And I think, you know, on so many levels, I hope these specialist regions really work out and I think they could be massive. Yeah, I agree. The thing I love about the specialist and the underdog is, um, you know, some some weeks you will have those sort of like unicorns who have somehow end up in that under 40 average. But for the most part, the players that do well in those divisions, if you look at their lineups, they're just like completely random 90% of the time. <laughs> it's like, all you need is one of those like really bad players to like, have a worldie and you're right in amongst it because if any of your under 40 averages have like banged a goal or like knocked a 70 pointer in or something like that and that's it is exciting isn't it in the weekend when like one of your under 40s like bangs a nice 65 or something in the early early of earliest part of the game week um and yeah I, i loved the idea of that i think um it is definitely something it is always really tempting as well isn't it because i think that I'd like the gambler inside me sees the specialist as like, you know, you can you can put a couple of like really pants players in there and potentially win an Mbappe or something. And it's like you will never get near an Mbappe win putting any player that's got no. an average under 40 like in the last 15. You you just that's just never gonna happen. But no. it can happen in specialists. So in underdog and specialists, if they start rolling out those regions and, you know, any of, any of us, I, th- I think like for people like me and you who've been around for a long time, we've probably got quite a few cards that are just sat in our galleries doing not a lot because we haven't been bothered to keep relisting them for sale or something like that. And I'm fortunate enough that like my laziness in terms of like how often I uh, put things up for sale, this is going to pay off for me if these like regions start rolling out. <laughs> Because I've definitely got a lot of really bad players in some of these regions that can start, uh, you know, hopefully getting hopefully getting some end product in for me. But uh, doing some bets. I'm, I'm a big fan. I think like the the specialist and underdog is a little bit more like um, a bit more of a pure way to play the game. You know, it obviously does rely on you to have those extra cards or invest more. Again, I suppose. But in terms of like the the bragging rights if like i'd love to win the underdog or the specialist one week like that for me is like the best prize on the game and if they can you know notice that by making sure that the winners of those divisions do get rewarded the best cards as well then you're going to see more of those top end you know the mbappe and neymar's played in the specialist instead and that'll hopefully break up those sort of top five to ten positions in the champ you won't see that PSG stack up there because a lot of those people who own those players have an option for specialist champ that week and they're going to use them there. And I think hopefully it would just start to trickle out 
spread those stacks out a bit more. And I think that's something that uh, has annoyed a lot of people, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, it's too competitive in maybe in Champ and All Star where someone could just roll out a Bayern or a PSG. But if if suit if Challenger Champ or Underdog Champ looks really like potentially lucrative or you know is really appealing then you're going to start seeing some of those stacks lost to challenger um to sorry to specialist uh divisions i think that personally makes sense another thing i think as well is um i think i said this to you in the week something i think that made me think straight away after last week's goalkeeper matrix change noticing you know a lot of people complaining about their goalkeeper scoring like an eight or something like that for conceding five goals <laughs> <laughs> so i had like kevin trapp who's the number two goalkeeper for for germany and plays for frankfurt who are a decent side right uh yeah. he put up a score of three and it made me realize that he's going to be really useful for a specialist in a few weeks if he keeps this up right <laughs> he's going to yeah. find himself in that under 40 and i think a lot of goalkeepers barring the sort of like top five in each division, anyone in that sort of like challenging for Europe down to relegation is going to find themselves in that under 40 average a lot with the new matrix. And as much as it's annoying, if you hold those goalkeepers, as most of us do, I do think it will open up the option of using a goalkeeper in the specialist where using an elf and, uh, you know, like an under 40 L15 being a goalkeeper where the score isn't as likely to be high, that makes challenges super appealing to me. If one of my under 40 averages is a goalkeeper, I'll be like, that normally makes me go heavy in it. If I've got a goalkeeper that has a decent fixture, but also happens to be in that under 40 average. And I think we're going to see a lot of goalkeepers slipping into that in the next few weeks, once like the old matrix scores start to die off and, all the new ones come in because a lot of goalkeepers are going to be putting up these sort of like lower, you know, 15s and stuff. Because if they let in four or five goals, as a lot of goalkeepers have been doing of late, um, you know, we sent how many nine nils did we see last weekend? I feel like there was like three. Two, maybe three. Two or yeah. three, yeah. Um, and we're going to see a few of them, I think, uh, especially with the clubs being able to use five subs. Like, Manchester City bringing five subs on is is, is just obscene. <laughs> their, their five subs are like, you know, they could probably play against 11 men, those five players they bring on, and uh, they probably still do all right. <laughs> so uh, teams are going to get battered and goalkeepers at the bottom end of most divisions are going to feel the brunt of that. So I think specialist is going to become really appealing to people who don't hold those Donnarumma's and you know, the, the Neuer cards. Uh, so really intrigued to see how that pans out for people who play in that kind of like medium-sized gallery. Uh, you know, even the larger galleries, a lot a lot of people have the larger galleries do have them goalkeepers as well. I think even for like the kind of smaller galleries as well, there's a lot of players that now have value that didn't, you know, because yeah. bang average champ, Euro guys especially, nobody's interested in, you know, like no. absolutely nobody, you know, champ Euro, bang average or subpar, no thanks, no one's interested, yeah. you know, so it gives them something as well as the goalkeeper dynamic. I never even thought about that. That's an amazing point. And then if you did get a guy that's like a good champ Euro player in your club somehow, you bought one, you won him, he has a purpose, there's a point in keeping him now. Whereas like, mm. if you won like a good champ Euro guy, I've heard people saying it on my show and other podcasts and whatever, but it's like, Oh, I won this great guy, but he's champ Euro, so like, uh, why should I keep him? I'll just go and get Carlos Hill or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
So give yeah, them something now, give them a place to live and thrive. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I've definitely, that was, this is part of the reason that I kind of started looking at my gallery, especially my champ and thinking without like, without a PSG or Bayern base or like maybe a defensive or attacking sort of miniature stack or like, you know, the old sandwich as we like to call it. I've got I've got a lot of big players in champ, but I just I can't compete. <laughs> you know, like I've got Tony Kroos, but I'll use I'll definitely use him in a specialist if if that comes because yeah. you know I've kept hold of Kevin Trapp. I got rid of Dimitrevsky, so I do only have one champ Euro goalkeeper now. But I've barely used him in champ since getting rid of Dimitrevsky. I um, Kevin Trapp, you know, that very rarely keeps a clean sheet at Frankfurt, so. I'm quite excited at the prospect of a of a specialist, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that will welcome it because I do think that like competing in Champ Euro, even with some good cards, is very difficult um, on yeah, a weekend where PSG, Bayern, yeah, PSG, Bayern, Liverpool, those kind of teams that you know can hit a big score on a weekend. If they do that, you kind of no matter how good you you hit, it's very difficult to get you know, above like a tier two. And like you said, those kind yeah. of like run of the mill wins in champ are not much use to anyone. I definitely won a few of them myself, uh, mostly out <laughs> of all-star, but I have ended up with a load of like mid-rate champ cards that are of no use to me, really. Uh, I have to try and use them in all-star. Uh, I kind of force them into my all-star team sometimes. It's it's annoying because I do... I don't know if you get this, but sometimes I'll be putting my all-star team together and I know in the back of my head, I'm like, well, that guy's a challenger and I haven't run that team just yet. Or that guy's, uh, oh, he's under yeah. 23. Maybe I don't waste him here. And I just find myself, it, it always, all-stars are pain for me because of this at the moment. I'm like, I don't know what to put in there. My all-star teams always look really good on paper, but I should I should put stronger teams into them maybe, but... Well, I, just... I did extra strong in um, All Star Rare last week, and I finished a hundred. Like I, f- I built the team, and I was like, I expect top two hundred for this team. So I built a good team for it, and uh, I finished one hundred, and I got a tier two rare, which was Joseph Martinez. And I think yeah. if you pull a Joseph Martinez out of tier two, that that, that feels like a good price pool you're you're, you're fishing in. Yeah. You know? So like, I've tried to keep it strong again, but this week I had that voice return, that voice that you're you're mentioning. You know, like oh, what about this? And what about that? But I've tried to put it a bit higher in my build order, if you know what I mean. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be just like extra, like uh, strict with myself and really looking at it and going right. Like last week, I won four or five cards. Right, that's kind of how many teams I should be building. I think that should be like yeah, powered up, strong, good mm. fixtures, good cards, whatever. So I then kind of uh, what I've been doing over the start of this season is take myself back and thinking right, where are those? Let's say three teams, first of all, the three ones I really want to strike. And it probably won't surprise anyone which ones they are. But it's wherever the Celtic Super Rares are going to go with the unique All-Star Rare Pro and Under-23 Rare Pro. And then from there, I think I've maybe got one or two other teams that should be capable of cards. I'm trying to keep All-Star Rare one of my top five builds because I'm quite light in a lot of areas and I don't Mm. need to make any compromises in All-Star. With midfield especially, as I've mentioned quite a lot of time on content, but I could play like Lewis Morgan in midfield and have a whole champ Euro team around him, Mm. for example, because that works, you know. Um, And then after that, 
and then just looking at what pieces are remaining and what I think could be the best build for them, whether it's a, a champ or a challenger or a D4 or a D2 or whatever. And I've actually ended up building some um, underdog teams like in that running order. And last week I tried yeah. to really prioritize that in the Jack and Marcus DNP. If he played, I would have done really well. Um, so I'm finding I think, that's kind of I think happen. I might have made the same mistake. I think I had Jack and Marcus in my underdog as well. I think he yeah, killed mine. Killed it, man. Yeah. I had a really good shot at doing well. I had Captain Rio Hitate defender cards that did 100 because of the clean sheet bonus on it and a few other good cards and that kind of killed me. So I'm trying to do that because I do think like I really do kick myself anytime I don't get big ETH if I only get 205 or something like that. Yeah. And I think if you go strong enough, like you can, you if you have a strong enough team, that team at All-Star Stish, I finished 100 yeah, no, spot 100 right I don't know why I struggle to say 100 of but I do how many points <laughs> do you think I got um 370 380 380 I thought you just said 400 or something I mean the scores are you think about that is actually quite a, that is big isn't it really I wouldn't I'd maybe expect that a bit more in pro like anything over yeah. sort of 370 380 you, you would expect but I, I think that you, like you said that a Joseph Martin is tier two is surprisingly good and that is like yeah. you said like it's down to the prize pools in all-star actually being pretty decent you know like even once you get to the tier two three it's almost like relative isn't it like that is yeah. tier two if we consider the entire pool of players like there's two whereas like tier two in a region is like not a particularly good player from that region, so they wouldn't even be in like tier five in the All Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, it has, like you said, it is getting harder and harder. I I put out um, pretty strong teams, but it it seems to be like my bogey division. I I get DMPs in my All Star teams all the time at the moment, and looking at what I've lined up so far for this weekend, I know I've got Cecinia in my pro, and it's like he has you know we don't really know is he injured is he not like uh you know it's he he looks like a risk to me already for this weekend um but the rest of my team you know joe hyun woo all sands goalkeeper uh pavel boshnevic super rare takuya iwanami super rare they both put up massive scores every weekend christian naboa who has like an l15 of 75 or something stupid like that and tasinia who we all know about but I look yeah. at that team and I'm like, there's a DMP in there. There's, I don't know. It's just every weekend, this league, this division evades me somehow. I, I can't remember the last time I had a win in All-Star Pro, but it, it always looks great before the game week starts. And it's always the first one. And I can tell you now, I, I almost, I'd almost put money on Cecinia not starting. It's going to happen, isn't it? Like I've, I've searched and far and wide to find out as much information as I can. Um, Sent him a DM on Instagram, which he's ignored. So, Cecinia, if you're watching this, mate, check your DMs. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would just love to know. If he's going to start, I feel pretty good about that. But, yeah, All-Star well, Pro just I evades tried, me. I tried to be extra. I tried to, like, really, like I said a moment ago, being extra like disciplined with myself. And I really tried to put myself back into Quinny's shoes 12 months ago. So when I built my All-Star Rare Pro team, I literally just said, I don't care about it. If this is the only team I can build, who am I building? Mm. And in goals, All-Star Rare Pro, Van de Voort, so not playing him in under-23s, nope. got a great fixture. 
Trippier, super rare. Not playing him in champ, even though he'd probably be quite good in champ this week. They've got a good fixture. Marcelino Nunes, the wee guy that plays at Norwich that I picked yep. up for under-23s, who is also a challenger. I'm playing him in All-Star. Jota, who's also U23, of course. And then um, my spare, my spare, super rare Kyogo. Um, <laughs> so, like... That's so a big team, that, yeah. That is, like... So, the problem with that team, right, is if you take out the two super rares, it's an under-23 team. But... I don't have under 23 pieces. Like I, I'm more worried to put Jota into under 23. He bangs and I get drowned out with Mbappe's and all the rest of it. Yeah, so you're 23. Yeah. I'd rather put him in a all-star along because I don't have that many options in midfield as I've spoke about too many times even today. Um, but <laughs> I just think if I'm going to have one team go off and defensively, I don't want to be attached to Celtic's result because Rangers could score a goal or two. So. Yeah. I've, I've got Van der Voort, Trippier, Nunes as the midfield and defence, and then I'm just throw the Celtic attackers at it, and then I can enjoy the game, hopefully, and don't need to worry about conceding any goals. Like, I will be for all the other teams where I've got Celtic defenders and goalkeepers lying around, yeah. and, you know, so I've tried to keep that uh, a, a sober, you know, like, you know, because there are teams where I'm building the Celtic ones, so other ones I'm like, yeah, we're going to beat them 5-0. Yeah. Them and like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but try to keep no. one team at least where I'm staying somewhat realistic. Yeah, no, knowing that it was the old firm this weekend, the first place in terms of prize pool I looked at was Challenger because I thought I'm not competing with like a Celtic 9-0 probably. Who knows, like until yeah, the game. True. But I thought that's if, if, if Celtic are going to have a tight game anywhere, it's that game, right? Can be cagey, might be tight, Agreed. might get scrappy. You know, if they're ever going to lose, it's going to be Rangers probably and not likely to be many other teams that might beat them so the first place I looked was Challenger um, but then I compared that with the U23 pool and a lot of the cards that I'd want to win in Challenger actually are in the U23 pool as well so um, I decided to put my my big guns out in in the U23 um, pro this week um, surprisingly I've not got Veerman in what I deem to be my strongest lineup this weekend um, because they've got FC Tefente away. Um, I've decided to put Veerman into my D2, um, which, you know, is still a strong side, but um, I expect him to start. I think they're going to have a slightly tougher game. Um, um, I've gone in my like sort of main, this is my main lineup at the moment for the weekend. Um, this could change. It often does before the game week opens, but I've got, Safanov in goal plays at home to um, Sochi, which is a tough fixture, but his all around is pretty decent. Looking at the new yeah. matrix, he gets a lot of touches for a goalkeeper. Um, Seo Yong Wu for Ulsan, he's playing an um, away fixture. Uh, I think they play, they're playing a weaker side. I know that. Um, I've got Musiala, rare captain, expect him to start and be amongst the action as he often is. Uh, Al Hassan Yusuf who has been an all-around beast, got his super rare in there. And then Fernando up top, who plays at home, Salzburg, uh, against, I think they play uh, Tyrrell this weekend. So good fixture for them. Um, they've been pretty decent the last couple of weekends as well. So that's my main team. And normally I'd probably have like Veerman in amongst it, but I really fancy Musiala. Uh, and like I said, Yusuf has been really good in terms of his all-around um, and he's actually bagged a few decisives in the last couple of games as well. So he often puts up a 70, 80 plus as, as can Veerman, but I just think Veerman's got a slightly tougher fixture. So I decided to move him into a D2 U23. 
Um, my challenger teams are looking pretty decent as well, but uh, but yeah, my main my main one was the uh, main one was the U twenty three. I decided to go there. I've had to do a bit of shuffling around challenger because of that Jorgen Larsson. Uh, yeah, last minute changes. Yeah, had to do some. I'm sure it won't be the last change either. I'm sure. By the time the uh, transfer window closes later today, there'll be more changes in some of those teams. There's a few players of mine that are linked here, there and everywhere. And a few players that have like question marks over injuries. I know like Devin Wrench went off injured in the last game because he clattered himself into the advertising boards and then got covered in beer by the away, by the, the other team's fans. Uh, yeah. Apparently it's just a bruise, but there's no news on whether or not he's been training. So I've got him in my Challenger Pro, but... He could he could definitely be changed around a bit as well. So yeah, I, I figure I'm going to be tinkering a lot before this game week uh, opens tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think I will be as well. Well, I'm, I'm kind of set now. I kind of did I did a bit of tinkering before coming on, and you know that moment where you're really trying to scratch an itch. You know, like there's something not. I really need this. This guy needs to go in a team somewhere. This is after mm. I've done my kind of priority teams, and I'm trying to just. Can I squeeze one of these out? Can I make this team a bit better? Can I actually? Yeah. Can I get a seventh team that might be capable of something, doing all that kind of stuff? And then I, I think I unlocked the matrix earlier. I made it work. So I'm up to 18 teams for this game week, and it feels like all the ducks are in a row. I'm actually putting yeah. a Champ Euro Pro team out because I do think that the divisions may be getting that kind of treatment from everyone who doesn't have. Like Bayern have got, I think Bayern have got a decent fixture this week, um, but everyone else in Europe, all the big teams, if you look at the Italian fixtures, it's all big team versus big team. Mm. Uh, I think PSG have got a good fixture, but I don't think it's like, I, I don't know. But They should yeah, walk so, it, yeah. So I, I'm putting out some players that individually could have good matches. And if the five, uh, four, yeah, two, two of them are in one team. So across those four games, if it was to go my way. I've got Robbo in a derby, uh, which should be fun and a few mm. other bits and pieces. So I'm kind of hopeful for that, but. I think this will be a great game week for, for all involved. I've got tickets, proper hospitality, shirt and tie effort for oh. uh, Celtic versus Rangers at the weekend. Stish knocked back the ticket. I wanted Stish to come. Said, Do you know no. what? I, I, I called in I called in my sort of like my trump card already. Listen. I've been I've been to Ibiza this week. <laughs> so that going to Ibiza Monday and Tuesday night, getting in at one in the morning Wednesday. I've had the kids for two days. To top that off, I've got a gig on Saturday night. So if I turn around to my missus, it was like I'm going to fly to Glasgow for the old firm. Uh, I'll be back in time for that wedding that I've got a DJ in the evening. Don't worry about that. I, so, yeah, I've never played at anyone's wedding before in my life, right? And I'm doing it for a, a promoter who's booked me for years. So the pressure's actually on. I don't think I've ever been nervous about a gig like this, but it's someone's wedding wow. who, who who is a promoter. So, like, the expectations can be high, but also the, the territory of DJing at a wedding of like all the guests being drunk coming up to me asking, can I play this and that scares the life out of me? Because <laughs> anyone who, anyone out there doesn't know like what a sort of club DJ's job is, is like you're kind of allowed to just go and do what you want. Whereas if you're at a wedding, you are at the mercy of all the guests asking you to play this, that and the other and expecting you to. If you tell them you haven't got that, they'll be like, well, what are you doing here? Because yeah. that is what a wedding DJ is supposed to do. And it should be all right because it's like a promoter's wedding or everyone in there should understand that the dj has just been booked to play what what, I, what i'm gonna play but um, come and play a set oh i am scared about it so the idea of going to the old firm which would have been is right up there on my like to-do list as well 
if this had been any other weekend, I guarantee you, I'd have tell you, I'd have snapped your hand off for that. I'd have come up definitely. But it's probably going to happen about Excellent. seven times this season, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> always a million old firms. But uh, yeah, if that if that ever arises again, a hundred percent, I'm I'll be there with bells on. But, uh, so have I've got all my Celtic attackers laid out, shirt and ties ready to go. And uh, it's going to be champagne reception from 10am in the morning. The game starts Ooh. at half 12. So uh, I probably will have my camera on. We will probably do some recording and stuff like that. Just some banter, some drunk stuff around the table and whatever. Yeah. But it should be a great game week for me. I can't wait. It's going to be great on all the levels, hopefully. Prizes, big game for Celtic, Old Firm, and everything else that flies around it. And hopefully some end product on the SO5 Matrix. <laughs> And on that note, Snish, if you have enjoyed this podcast, anyone who's listening to it, please do rate, review, like it and follow, turn on bells and notifications, let your pals know about it. All that good stuff, of course. Snish, have great luck this game week, mate. And to you too, sir, and uh, great chatting. As always, good luck, everyone. Bye.